Chapter twenty six of Babu Jabaji B. A. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Babu Jabaji B. A. By F. Anstey. Chapter twenty six mr jabberji expresses some audaciously sceptical opinions how he secured his first salmon with the manner in which he presented it to his divinity owing mainly to the lack of opportunity invitations etc i have not resumed the offensive against members of the gross department but have rather occupied myself in laborious study of caledonian dialects as exemplified in sundry local works of poetical and prose fiction until i should be competent to converse with the aborigines in their own tongue then having now the diction of poet burns in my fingers ends i did genially accost the first native i met in the street of kilpatrick complimenting him upon his honest sonsy face and enquiring whether he had wo had we vulnerable hollis and was to bruise the peckmort or saw the nose to the yaws but from the intemperance of his reply i divined that he was totally without comprehension of my meaning next i addressed him by turns in the phraseologies of misters black parry and crockett esquires interlarding my speech with what fares and hags and oes and dodmonds and loches and tods ad libitum to which after listening with most earnest attention he returned the answer that he was not acquainted with my oriental language nor could i by any argument convince this beetle-head that i was simply speaking the barbarous accent of his native land since which after some similar experiments upon various peasants and so on i have made a rather peculiar discovery there is no longer any such article as a separate scottish language and indeed i am in some dubitation whether it ever existed at all and is not rather the waggish invention of certain audacious scottishers who have taken advantage of the insular ignorance and credulity of the british public to palm off upon it several highly fictitious kinds of unintelligible gibberish nay i will even go farther and express a grave suspicion whether the scotland of these bookish romances is not the daring imposture of a ben trovato for after a prolonged residence of over a fortnight i have never seen anything approaching a mountain pass nor a dizzy crag surmounted by an eagle nor any stag drinking itself full at eve among the shady trunks of a deer forest i have never met a single mountaineer in feminine bonnet and plumes and short petticoats and pipes inserted in a bag nor do the inhabitants dance in the street upon crossed sword-blades this is purely a london practice nor have i seen any caledonian snuffing his nostrils with tobacco from the discarded horn of some ram finding that my short kilt is no longer the mould of national form i have now altogether abandoned it with retaining the fox-tailed belly-purse 
on account of its convenience and handsome appearance now let me proceed to narrate how i became the captor of a large-sized salmon having accepted the loan of mr crumb's fishing bond and attached to my line certain large flies composed of black hairs red worsted and gilded thread which it seems the salmons prefer even to the worms i sallied forth along the riparian bank of a river and proceeded to whip the stream with the severity of emperor xerxes when engaged in flagellating the ocean but way sucks to employ the perhaps spurious verbiage of aforesaid poet burns my line owing to the superabundant longitude did promptly become a labyrinth of gordian knots and the flies which are named zulus attached their barbs to my cap and adjacent bushes with well-nigh inextricable tenacity until at length i had the bright idea to abbreviate the line so that i could dangle my bait a foot or two above the surface of the water where a salmon could easily obtain it by simply turning a somersault however after sitting patiently for an hour as if on a monument i could not succeed in catching the eye of any passing fish and so severely disheartened by my ill luck i was strolling on shouldering my rod when Zooks, whom should i encounter but mr backshot and a party of friends who were watching his keepers capture salmons from a boat by means of a large net a far more practical and effectual method than the cumbersome and unreliable device of a meretricious fly with a very visible hook and just as i approached the net was drawn towards the bank and proved to contain three very large lively fishes lashing their tails with ungovernable fury at such detention whereupon i made the humble petition to mr backshot that since he was now the favourite of fortune he was to remember him to whom she had denied her simpers and bestow upon me the most mediocre of the salmons since i was desirous to make a polite offering to the amiable daughter of my host and hostess and with munificent generosity he presented me with the largest of the trio which with great jubilation i endeavoured to carry off under my arm though severely baffled by the extreme slipperiness with which even after its decease it repeatedly wallowed in the dust until someone perceiving my fix good-naturedly instructed me how to carry it by perforating its head with a piece of a string i found miss vivi in a secluded garden seated at the back of the manse incommoded as usual by the society of mr crump sir i said addressing him politely for i was extremely anxious for his departure since i could not well present my salmon to miss vivi and request the quid pro quo of her affection in his presence accept my gratitude for the usufruct of your rod which has produced magnificent fruit you will find the instrument leaning against the palings of the front garden and with this i made secret signals to miss vivi that she was to dismiss him but she remained bashful and he seemed totally unaware that he was the drug of the market at last 
weary of concealing my captured salmon any longer behind the small of my back i was about to inform mr crumb that he had miss lozier's permission to absent himself when she broke the silence by informing me that as the old familiar friend of both parties i was to be the first to hear a piece of news to wit that donald mr c's baptismal appellation and she were just become the engaged couple i was so overcome by grief and indignation at her perfidious duplicity since she had frequently encouraged me in my mockeries of her admirer's uncouthness and rusticity that i stuck in the throat and then flung the salmon violently across the boundary hedge into a yard of poultry madam i said that fish was to have been laid at your feet as the visible pledge of my devotion you have not only lost the gift of a splendid salmon but have thrown away the heart of a well-educated native b a and member of the bar and you have gained hoity-toity what why a scotch bun but almost immediately i was taken by violent remorse of my presumption and shed the tears of contrition entreating forgiveness nay more i scrambled through the hole in the very thorny hedge and recovering the salmon which had not yet had the time to become very severely henpecked i begged them to accept it between them as a token of my esteem and good wishes which they joyfully consented to do i had expected that my worthy host and hostess would have shared my astounded disappointment on hearing of their daughter's engagement but on the contrary they received the news with smiling complacency it appears that mr crumb though endowed with somewhat sheepish and bucolical exterior is of tip-top scottish caste and lineage and the landed proprietor i am not to deny the attractiveness of such qualities though i had hitherto been under the fool's paradise of an impression that they would have infinitely preferred this humble self as a son-in-law however i am now emerging from my doleful dumps with the reflection that after all it is contrary to common sense to drain the cup of misery to the dregs for so totally inadequate a cause as the faculty of any feminine end of chapter twenty six read by lambda